Good morning, church family. We have a special guest speaker today, and he comes to us with his family, with uh, Rebecca and Liam and Aiden and Sean. They go to the Seventh-day Adventist Church in Ontario, where Bonnie and I transferred our membership, and we've known them for quite a while now. We've, uh, we've grown with them spiritually, and Sean and Bonnie and I, we served on the elders team there, and we, uh, we grew together to become friends, I would say best friends, I would say everlasting friends, and we love this family so much, I pray that you will Help them feel welcome here today. Sean, would you come up here? How long do you think we were elders together? About 15 years yeah, or so. Yeah, I'll say 12, 15 years. And like you were already a member, and you welcomed me into that team that you were in charge of. And we, we did a lot of interesting things together in serving the church and in serving God. And I can honestly tell you, Sean, that you are my best friend. You are my forever friend, along with your family and, of course, all of God's family. And so Sean McDermott has a special <laughs> message for us today. Well, thank you, Brother Craig. Okay, yes, I'm looking for my notes. There we go. If, if I don't have my, my sermon notes, I might be in trouble. It was very fantastic to come up here. Craig gave me the invitation to come up, and I'm going to look. And it was wonderful to get the invitation, and didn't know what I was going to speak on, of course. So I just prayed to God to give me a message, and I hope it's a message that's appropriate for today. I think it's something that's appropriate for me all the time, so I wanted to share. But we had a nice drive on the way up here, a little foggy and drizzly. But we came to the church following our ways, I think. I know those ways are Google Maps. My, my son put it in. We pulled up to the church. There it is. And we came in. And it was so delightful to walk in, to see the fire burning, to see the smiling faces. And it's so lovely in here. It's, you have a very nice church here, and it's, it's a pleasure to be here. So I want to thank you all for the smiles that you've given me. I want to thank you for the welcome. And I hope I'm still welcome after my message today. <laughs> Let's start with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for your presence here today. I want to ask that you'll be with us and be with the message that I have today. I want to thank you for giving me the words here. I want to ask that you'll bless them and bless us all today and help us to always draw closer to you and put you first and foremost in all that we do. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. A story was told. I might have to put my glasses on. I don't have good light up here. <laughs> well, I'm just getting old and getting blind. So, A story was told of a young schoolgirl. Her name was Tabitha. And she was a model student. I mean, she was perfect. Anything that the teacher wanted her to do, she would do. She would do things before she was even asked. 
She got straight A's plus all the extra credit. She was a joy to everyone that was there. And this teacher says, I have never had a student like this in my whole life. I've got to meet this girl's parents. These parents must be something completely special. So one day, <laughs> my son heard this story. <laughs> one day, the teacher said, I'm going over there. So went over to the girl's house and knocked on the door, and the mother came and answered and said, she said, hi, I'm Mrs. So-and-so. The mother invited her in and said, oh, come on in. And they were talking for a while. And eventually she called out to her daughter and said, Tabitha. No response. Tabitha, leave me alone, Mom. I'm watching TV. And the teacher's hearing all this, sitting down in the living room. And the mother walks in there and talks to her. And then finally Tabitha comes out. And she's banging doors and throwing stuff around. She says, I, we have a guest coming, and I need help setting the table. So she's bashing dishes and throwing everything around. And then as she walks by the opening in the hallway, she sees her teacher sitting in the, in the living room. And all of a sudden, her face went from <clears throat> to, oh, hi, teacher. And her countenance changed, her voice changed, her mannerisms changed. And all of a sudden, she was that sweet little girl again. But the teacher was there with a horrified and confused look on her face. And as you hear this story, we may laugh, we may think how terrible, but the question is, do we see ourselves in this story? Because we look at it and we think, oh, no one would be like that. But would we really? Jesus warned us about this, and if you have your Bibles, you can turn. It's uh, Matthew 23, 27. And it says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are like whitewashed tombs, which indeed appear beautiful on the outside, but inside are full of dead men's bones and all uncleanliness. Even so, outwardly appear righteous to men, but inside are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. Now, I don't want to get the wrong impression. I'm not accusing you guys of being this. The intent of my sermon today is for us to have an introspective and to look and to ask our question, ask of ourselves, are we living up to everything that we're supposed to be living up to? So don't, I don't want anyone to take the wrong tone. I'm not coming to, to chastise. We're here to just want to in, hopefully learn and we can inspire one another. We should be like Daniel and his friends. And we always hear of Daniel going, being a captive in a faraway land. And we remember from him that he was always, what, faithful, correct? And Shadrach, Meshach, Medigo, they stayed firm to God no matter what, whether their life was in danger. But do you realize Daniel was faithful as an outcast before he was a captive? Why was Israel in captivity? Because they had forsaken God. They weren't following the messages that they had, the scriptures that they had. They were following other idols, and God sent Nebuchadnezzar to take them away. And he was told it would be for 70 years. So Daniel and his friends were faithful to God in their hometown, which had apostatized, 
and they were faithful when they were captives. No matter where they were, they were faithful to God. So the question that I have, the question of my sermon is, who are you? Who are you when others are watching you? Are you the perfect student? Are you like Tabitha, who has the cheery face and you are, all act proper? What about when you're at church? Who are you at church? We're going to ask a few questions today. What about with your friends? Are you a different person with your friends than you are when you're at church? Does your language change? Does the tone of your voice, the stories you tell, is it the same? Is it different? What about when you're alone and no one is watching? Are you still that same person? What about, what is it that you listen, what about your thoughts? Are your thoughts pure? Or sometimes your thoughts not as pure as you would like them to be? Is what people see on the outside the same that's going on on the inside? What about what you listen to on the radio? Does it uplift you? Does it bring you closer to God? Or does it make you sour and depressed and upset about things? Or what you read? Does it focus your mind in a healthy way? Or is it things that might be some fantasies or whatever that go and lead us astray? Where is your devotion? Is it to God? Is it to family? Is it to your work? Think about these things. And these are questions we need to ask ourselves. And one that's always tricky with some people, what about your money? I mean, we have ties. I see this church, and this church is kept very well. You guys have done a good job with this church. It's nice to see that the Lord's house is taken care of here. And the question, to be more pertinent, is do you put Jesus first in all that you do? And as you answer this internally, I want you to think about these questions. I'm going to ask for hands. I just want you to contemplate. Do you put Jesus first? And then the next question, do you really put Jesus first in everything? Does work get in the way? Does family things get in the way? What about other activities that we have, the hustle and the bustle of just life? What excuses do we have for not taking time for worship, for not putting God first in everything? This is something that I would have to say that I have probably not been as good as I should have been with our family. And my family can probably attest this. We would worship sometimes. But about a year ago, or less than a year, I guess it was earlier this year, I was just doing, asking some questions of myself and seeing where I was and thought our worship life at home is not what it should be. Yes, we go to church. Yes, we do things. But we're not spending that personal time as a family together in worship consistently like we should. So I went on a journey, and we mental journey, <laughs> got tired of my Bibles falling apart, and we got some, I ordered a nice new Bible for myself. Why just myself? Because I wanted to check it out first. 
And then I got the family together and explained to them, this is what we want to do, and let them pick out their own Bibles. And they all ordered their own Bibles with a nice goat skin. Things that I wanted them to have something that would last a lifetime. And the decision that I made was that we were going to take, we got these Bibles, and we were going to study and read through the Bible. And then we were also going to do studies. And it's something that we would do as a family. And we've been doing that pretty faithfully. And since, I think, February, we've gone through probably three-quarters of the Bible in, in reading. And the reading is important, but just reading through the Bible, we're missing a lot. We're going to go back and study things more. But it's giving us time to focus our efforts and our minds on God. And it's getting us to focus and make sure that God is first and foremost, and we understand God's character. We understand who he is and what he expects from us. So when I ask these questions, I'm not asking questions saying that I am better than anyone else. And that's my next question. Are you a Pharisee? Now remember, a Pharisee, we look at Pharisee, and that's a bad word, right? Does anyone sit here and say, I want to be a Pharisee? No. But the Pharisees were looked highly upon. They were the church leaders. They were looked at as the cream of the crop. They were the authorities. The people looked at the Pharisees and said, and said oh, I wish I could be as pious and as good as the Pharisees. I could never be as good as this Pharisee. Look how perfect they live their life. I bet you they never have a bad thought or sin at all. But what did the text say that we just read from Matthew? They look beautiful on the outside, but inside, full of rotting bones, full of filth. Let us not ever be in that situation where we might think that we're better than others. And I look around, and this is a church I think that has, I don't know if there's any new members here, but we have some mature members, people that have probably been Christians a long time. Ask yourself, are you always right spiritually? Do you have all the answers? Now, I've been a Seventh-day Adventist since going to church since I was four years old. And for the most part, I've been pretty faithful. And I'll be honest with you, I know a lot about the Bible. But I don't know everything. And there's a lot of things that I thought I knew when I was younger that I've changed my opinion on. There's things that I was sure I was right about that I was wrong. I am not the arbiter of truth. None of us are the arbiters of truth. So I just want to ask, can you ever change your beliefs? I'm not looking for answers, but I just want you, uh, when I ask a question, you don't need to spout out. I just want you to internalize and think about it. Can you change your beliefs? And if so, what would it take? Persuasion? A great argument? Trickery? A verse here? A text here? A bold here? An italicized here? A quote from Ellen White here? An out-of-context thing here? And, or is it just from the Word of God? I would encourage you to be open to changing your beliefs if it's in the Word of God.
if you see something in Scripture and it's different than what you believe and you're thinking, oh, I thought this. This is what I've thought my whole life. I believe this my whole life. But as you look at it in Scripture, you say, but the Bible is clearly saying this. Be willing to change. Don't get stuck on your old dogma. Be willing to look at new light from the Scriptures, not through trickery, not through anything else. And I say this, and this is a hard thing for me. It's a hard thing, I think, for us as Adventists, because we in Adventists believe that we have the truth, right? If we didn't believe that Adventism had the truth or the most of the truth, we probably wouldn't be here. But that being said, we may have the truth, but do we have all the truth? Do we know everything that there is to know? And as we witness to people, and as we talk to our Sunday believers, and we get in conversations about the state of the dead, or we get in a conversation about um, the Sabbath, do we expect them to hear our words and say, oh yes, that's exactly right. We spread seeds, and the Holy Spirit convicts them. It's hard for us to change a life-held belief that we've had. If we've believed something and taught something, and everything that we've been taught from the pulpit, from our friends, from everything, for instance, that the day of worship is on Sunday, and we expect them to just change all of a sudden. We need to be patient with those people. Let God work with them. We don't want to beat them up, be a Bible-thumping thing. The Bible says this, Bible says this, Bible says this. You need to believe it now. We can show them and let the Holy Spirit lead. He will convict them. It's not up to us to do that because we don't want to win an argument and lose the convert. We want to be, do everything in a Christ-like manner. And we all have room for growth. And... There's many here that have probably been Christians a lot longer than me and may know a lot more than I do about the Bible. But you're still not the arbiter of truth. All truth comes from where? The Word of God is what we have. And as we read this, we ask the Holy Spirit to be with us, to lead us into truth, and to guide us to help us to interpret what we're reading. Be patient with others when they receive the Bible truths. And... We are called, another Bible text, if you want to look it up, we're called to be ambassadors. And this is um, in 2 Corinthians 5.20. Most of you probably know this. I don't know if I have that marked or not. Second Corinthians, as I just pass it, 5.20. That's not, I'm in 1 Corinthians, not 2 Corinthians. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God were pleading through us. We implore you, on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. What an honor it is for us to be an ambassador for Christ. It's an honor to be an ambassador for a country. But we are an ambassador to the God of the universe. That is a special thing that we are asked to do. 
So as we're called to be ambassadors, we are called to represent Christ. So what we say is supposed to be what Christ is. There was a time many years ago that I was faithfully studying my Bible. I was reading. I had my daily devotion. I had a very good connection with God. And for most of you probably remember the um, Northridge earthquake. You remember that back in, I think, 94, somewhere around there. But I was working construction at the time, and as that hit, our company was called to get everything ready. So we were working round the clock. I mean, we were out in um, Northridge and that whole area that got destroyed, working on supermarkets, getting ceilings ready, and we were working probably 18 to 20 hours a day. I packed up. I didn't live out there, so we were staying in a hotel. I grabbed my Bible, set it on my nightstand, and we went to work. Got back, passed out, and went to sleep. Day after day, this went going on, and at first, like, man, I'm not get, having time to read my Bible. Over a few days, a few weeks, that connection started getting lost. If we don't keep connection with God, it gets lost. And one of these days that we were there, we were having breakfast with the crew, and everyone's around, you know, laughing, joking, talking. And I told a joke that was completely inappropriate. Very embarrassing. Would not repeat it here, would not repeat it anywhere. And there was a, I think he was about 19 years old, maybe even younger. And I told the joke, and his face just dropped. And I can picture, as I was telling the story of that teacher and Tabitha, because he saw me as a Christian, and here's me saying these things, this filth coming out of my mouth. Was I an ambassador for Christ at that moment? No. Who was I representing? I was representing the wrong side. I was representing Satan. Why? Because I had lost the connection that I had with God. So the same thing that we've been reading about with the Israelites, where they do great things with God, and then immediately they forgot. That was a wake-up call for me, to always think and be thoughtful of what's coming out of your mouth. Be thoughtful of what's going into your ears. Be thoughtful of what's going into your eyes and your brain and what's feeding you. You don't know what time or how you're going to stumble or how you're going to fall. But even someone like me that was pretty devout, was a leader of the youth, I had a bad moment because our goodness comes from God. If we lose that connection with God, we are opening ourselves up to, the, to evil. And I'm going to, a couple other stories, real life stories. When my mother was young, she was probably 17 years old. She hadn't been going to church. And she was invited, and she decided, well, I'll go. Wasn't fully committed to going. And she said to herself, I'm going to go. I'm going to wear the shortest skirt that I have. I'm going to wear the lowest top that I have. I'm going to put earrings on. I'm going to 
dress like I want to dress, and I dare anyone to say anything to me. If anyone says anything to me, I'm going to hit the door and never come back. So she walks in with her attitude, and the greeter in the front, Hi, Lynette, wonderful to see you, throws her arms around her, says, Welcome, we've missed you, it's glad, we're glad to see you. And this repeated time and time again, where people are looking at her, she's dressed like she shouldn't have been at church. But people weren't criticizing her, they were happy to see her. She didn't immediately go back to church and stay in church. Like I said before, I started going back to church when I was four. So it was probably another six, seven years. My mom started early, got married at 17 and had my sister at 18, me at I think 20 or 21. So she was still young. She came back to church. My sister and I went with her, and then probably about a year later, my dad came back. And our whole family came back. The witness is important. How we treat people is important. We can't just look at people and say, oh, you're dressed like a heathen. I'm going to treat you this way. You're dressed like this. I'm going to treat you that way. If they come into this church, God says, come to me as you are. We are to inspire them, to help them grow, not to condemn them. Just like Jesus, when he said, the woman who was caught in adultery, what did he say? After he was writing everything, he said, woman, where are your, where are your accusers? He said, I don't condemn you either. Thus they go and sin no more, but... Come to God as you are. Whoever walks through this door, unless they're coming for evil, I mean, they're coming for a purpose, and God is calling them here. It's the same in our church. And another story, my cousin came to church with good intent, put on the best clothes that she thought she could have, and... The greeter told her she looked like a hooker. <laughs> Never came back. Who was the ambassador for Christ? The greeter that threw her arms around my mother? Or the church lady that was pious and told her she, my cousin she looked like a hooker? I want all my family in heaven. I don't know any of you except for Craig and Bonnie and my family. I want to see you in heaven. I want, you to, I want to be able to say, I saw you up at the Crestline Church. I want you to, to look at me and say, you came and preached. Got emotional about something that happened 30, 40 years ago. I don't know. God calls us for a purpose. We are ambassadors for Christ. What we do and what we say 
represents Jesus. There are people that don't know Jesus. They want to know Jesus. When they see us, they're looking to us as that example. What example are we giving to them? Are we giving them the loving, welcoming, hello, nice to see you? Or are we looking at them and saying, you look like a hooker, you look like a harlot, you look like a heathen? Brothers and sisters, we need to pray that the heathen come through these doors. We need to pray that those that God is calling come here and we give them the example that they are looking for. That is what we're called to do. That is our mission. That is our goal. And who, I, I don't know if it was Doug Batchelor we were listening to the other day. Say, it was reading a quote from Ellen White that there's a special place closest to Jesus, to those that once fought against him the hardest, those that were worshiping the devil, those that were the most evil, that gave that up because of the love of Christ. We have that opportunity. We have that calling. Correction has its place. There's a time and a place to correct a brother or a sister. I'm not saying that we let everyone in and do whatever they want. But when we come in, we are to love them, to inspire them, and to show them a better way. We talked in our lesson this morning where Jesus says, If you love me, keep my commandments. We call people to do that. But as that we do that, we need to make sure that we are working at the urging of the Holy Spirit. Not our own righteous indignation. Not because we're offended because of the way someone has come in. But if we talk to someone, it has to be that the Holy Spirit has said, go talk to this brother. Go talk to this sister. Go talk to this child. And make sure that we are the messenger. We may have someone in this church, you may have someone in this church, we may have someone in our church that has gone astray or is doing something that needs to be corrected. And I may see it. Craig may see it. Clyde, you may see it. All of us, we may see it. But maybe I'm not the person to go talk to them. God will send the right person to talk to them. And if the Holy Spirit is asking you, then go. Pray and have him lead. And that way it can be a situation where they grow and are not pushed away. As we correct, the main goal is to build up one another, to edify one another. We as Christians need to strengthen ourselves so that we can what? We sang a song, Onward Christian Soldiers, that we are what? As an army, we are as one. We're one in doctrine. And as we put things together, we work together. Not apart. We have to build each other up so that we are strong. An army that fights amongst itself cannot stand. We see time and time again in the Old Testament where God used that against the people that were against Israel, where they ended up fighting themselves because of God. Because we should not be accepting bad behavior in the church. We should show a better way. Let Christ shine through us. But a caution, don't expect a new convert to be where we are spiritually. I've been a Christian almost 50 years. 
someone that's been a Christian for six months or a year, are they going to have the level of maturity that I have? Um, In some areas, maybe, but probably not. I cannot expect the new convert to be where I am spiritually in my walk with the Lord. I've been doing this a long time. I've overcome a lot of things. But still, there are things that we need to ask our question. Where are our inner thoughts? Always looking inwardly to make sure that we are right with God. I was watching, um, walked in the room, and my wife and kids were watching a guitar lesson on internet or on TV. And it was specifically for people over 50 learning the guitar. So, and she made a comment that stuck with me. She said, if you're new, don't get discouraged. She goes, I can look at the way that you're playing, and I can see a hundred things that need to improve in in what you're doing. But if I tell that student all 100 things at once, they're going to get discouraged and they're going to quit. I'll give them one or two things to work on. And then they can work on that and overcome it. God does the same thing with us. Someone new that comes in, especially a new convert, they're going to come in here with all their baggage, with all their sins. Work on them one at a time at God's, God's pace. Encourage them and let them grow. Because we all need to grow. And as we grow, we come closer to God. But as we grow, we bring other people along with us. And granted, we don't want bad things going on in the church. There's some behaviors that need to be taken care of. But let God work with them at his pace. They're just babies. Let them grow. Let them drink the milk of, you know, milk, then they'll be ready for meat. Start them out slowly. Next question I have, who do you want to be? Asked, who are you? Who do you want to be? Like, do you want to be bold and fearless, bold and fearless when you're witnessing for Christ? Do you want to be God-fearing, loving and kind at all times, knowledgeable of prophecy? It's like, how will you become that? How are you going to get to what you want to be from where you are? Because I don't think any of us are perfect. I'm not where I want to be. How am I going to get to where I want to go? What is your plan? Now, as I ask that question, what is your plan? Now take a step back and see what God's plan is. Not your own plan. See what God's plan is, and then be like David was in um, Psalm 139. He said, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any wicked way in me and lead me in the way of everlasting. We need to constantly ask God to search us, to see what improvements we need to make. Put God in charge of everything that we do. Never think, well, I've been doing this 50 years. I, I know what I'm doing. God's always going to be helping you to improve. And one of my favorite quotes from Steps to Christ was the, um, the closer that we come to Christ, the more that we see our own infirmities, the more that we see that we're falling short. 
because we see Christ in his full perfection. And we see, man, we're not where we need to be. But by the grace of God, we're still saved. By the grace of God, we will improve and he will use us even when we are not perfect. But he helps us to overcome. And other texts I like, it says along these lines, this is Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, which I'm sure we all know. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. This is done day by day. We don't commit to Christ once and say, I'm done. It's day by day, moment by moment, trial by trial, victory by victory. If we give this to God, we live with God through the good times, and he helps us in the bad times. I think my simple message is that we truly need to be ambassadors for Christ. We need to become the person that Jesus has asked us to be. Many of us have probably messed up in our lives. We've gone, God told us to go left and we went right. He told us to go right and we went left. He told us to go left and we went up. We went down. We did everything but what we were asked to be. But the promise that God has is where you are right now, he still has a plan for you. Even if you've taken the wrong turn, he will get you and use you as his ambassador. He has a special plan for you. We as Adventists have a special, mess- a special message for the end times. I think we all believe, I mean, as Seventh-day Adventists, we believe in the second coming. We believe in the soon second coming. And we believe uh, in Revelation 14, the three angels' message, as I think I see the three angels behind us, we believe that it is our message to take, not only ours, but we are to be the leaders in taking the three angels' message to the world. To do that, we have to be introspective, ask ourselves the questions, and ask God to search us and help us be prepared to receive the latter rain, help us be prepared to take that everlasting gospel and to spread it to the world so that we can help this, this world come to its end say that in a good way, not a bad way, because we're looking forward to the second coming of Christ. We want to see an end to the sin and the suffering, but we don't just want to go, we want to bring everyone along with us. I want to see my kids there, I want to see everyone there. I want to see the people I fought with in school there. I want the people I had trouble with there. Not because I say, oh, I had a great experience, but because people change. We change. I've changed. I think many of you in here have changed. As God works through us, we want to bring others with us. We're told to pray for our enemies, right? I want to see my enemies there. Because when we see people, we sometimes categorize people. We see the meth addict. We see the drug dealers. We see the thieves. What does God see? He sees his children. What does he see when he sees us? He sees his child. Brothers and sisters, it doesn't matter whether you're a drug addict 
whether you're a church elder, a pastor, or one of the most well-known speakers, you're still God's child. Your reward is still the same if you follow him. The drug addict, we're hoping that we can get that message so that they come out of what they are, to improve themselves. Just like Jesus was casting demons out, that would be considered a demon in these days, of what they do. So I just want to challenge all of you to dedicate yourselves to Jesus and his service and help him to finish the work as he has commissioned us to do. And that is my prayer for all of us today. I don't know your schedule. We have a prayer and then a song and then a prayer. Do we? Okay.